Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life Wealth's latest podcast. As always, uh, Jason Howard, CEO of Life Wealth, and joining me today, James Vandaloo, head of Life Wealth's Investment Committee. Hello, James. Hi, Jason. How are you going? Very well, very well. Um, I feel like uh, for the last three months, we've just been taking this on the road, haven't we? Uh, we're now in your dining room. We are. Uh, Welcome to sunny Essendon. Beautiful, uh, beautiful winter's afternoon. It's not bad. What we have to work out is when we edit this podcast, if we can take out the light plane noises flying over the, over the head of your house. So uh, we'll see how we go. Oh, that's mean. That's mean. We're used to it over here in uh, in the north. <laughs> without a doubt. Without a doubt. All right. So let's uh, let's jump in straight away. Um, Again, I mean, I think everyone's uh, sick of hearing the phrase "unprecedented" and uh, and things like that. So, um, but but obviously, it's been uh, an unusual time, which we're all yeah, you know, it's the new normal now, isn't it? Um, particularly for our clients in Victoria and our listeners in Victoria. Um, you know, we've got a version of a a whether it's a second wave or a spike. You know, it's certainly up and about again, I guess. Um, so, you know, in that context, we thought it was worth having a chat after a, a month since our last podcast on, on where things are at, how markets are going, um, impact on portfolios, the outlook, et cetera, et cetera. So um, why don't we start there? Um, markets. Well, uh, probably the reason that it's dragged out for three or four weeks since we last had a chat is because the markets have been pretty good. So uh, the phone's been pretty quiet on, on people with, with concern. And uh, they've been rallying, which is nice. Um, I ran a few reports on portfolios this morning. And while most people's portfolio would still be down from the absolute peak in February, most of the clients running a diversified strategy would be flat year on year. So for the the 2020 financial year, as we're getting very close to the end. Exactly. And uh, I can tell you where we were, uh, you know, in the middle of March... I'm probably a little bit pleasantly surprised we've had uh, had that had that pick up, and um, if I knew with what's happened in the economy that we'd be flat, I probably would have taken that. Yeah, I, look, I, I I think we all agree on that. Um, if you had have known at the start of March where we were going to be at the end of March, you know, getting to the end of June and saying we're flat, you would take that no doubt. A, a flat year, mm. yeah, and especially when you compare it to um, opportunity cost of cash. Uh, which is not paying very much. The old Macquarie CMAs are paying 0.05% interest at the moment. Yeah, right. So, um, so being invested, you've been on a roller coaster. You haven't had a return. So I'm not saying that's good. By the way, I'm not saying yeah. we don't in the business of trying to get flat returns. But given the journey we've been on in the last three or four months, it looks like it's probably not going to be as bad as it, it might have. Uh, it's probably not what you necessarily want to hear from your advisors, but fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, mm. So I, I might just pick up something that you, you said there. You talked about obviously low interest rates and talked about Macquarie just as an example. Um, I think we should probably touch on the outlook for that as well. I mean, the RBA obviously came out, I think it was this week, and, and had some commentary around that on, on rates and the, and the outlook very long term on that. Do you, want to, do you want to touch on that? Yeah, yeah, it's not a not a happy topic to be honest. So um, the view from the RBA was the ridiculously low interest rates we have at the moment are going to be around for years, mm. uh, which is probably not an unreasonable expectation given government debt up and uh, stimulus that they're going to try and keep pumping through to uh, get things recovering. And uh, I just did a little bit of maths yeah. and. Um, had a client with a 
two million bucks, which we were looking to place in a term deposit. And um, the best we could find was 1.3% for the next 12 months. Yep. So of that two million, um, call that risk-free term deposit, yep. 26,000 is the cash flow we can get from term deposit. Mm. Same time in 2009, I could get 100,000 in, in cash flow. Yeah. And uh, just for some perspective, 26,000 is less than the couple homeowner age pension rate. Yeah, so let's, let's, just, let's just hone in on that for a second. So, so what you're saying, $2 million in a relatively good term deposit, so going to market and getting a reasonably good rate, is paying you less today per annum than the age pension for a couple. Yes, that, that's correct. And um, unfortunately, that's what we need to uh, sink in. Mm. Interest rates are really low. Returns are low everywhere. Um, you know, five years ago, if a client walked into me with $2 million, I'd be saying to them comfortably, I should be able to generate 6% yeah. cash flow. Yeah. Don't worry about your capital. We'll generate 6 um, from a diversified portfolio, 120 to live off without touching your capital. To do that now, I need to take a lot of risk. So it's a different world. Yeah, and I, I think that probably leads to, 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 I guess, the next part of the conversation. Um, I'm not sure we would have necessarily ever specifically talked about this on the podcast before, and, and we may not have even spoken to clients in this language before, but I would think a lot of our clients would recognize it when we talk about it now in how we, how we talk with them and how we advise them. Um, for us, it's all about objectives. It's about individual client objectives and delivering on those. And for retirees, it's income. Um, for people in the early stages of uh, investing money, it may well be growth. But it's about objectives and linking outcomes to those objectives. Um, that's going to challenge particularly, those, those sort of returns are going to challenge particularly where a client objective is income generation. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, with the reviews we've been doing in the last few weeks, we're, we're talking about that. And, uh, you know, clients are saying, well, what, what cash flow are you going to get me? And, um, you know, if we want to run a moderate or a, a lower risk portfolio, it's not very high. Yeah. So if they want to, they're going to have to trade off. Where are they going to have to take more risk mm -hmm. and they're going to have to accept that and that volatility is going to be higher to produce the cash flow yes or if you want to stay safe and comfortable you're going to have to accept less yeah and it's i don't think it's going to be like that for six months i mm. think it's going to be like that for years yeah so this is and again we have a very diverse client base we have mm, as you said younger clients where that is not relevant for but um a big part of our client base it's more challenging than ever in my career mm. at the moment to generate income from your traditional asset classes. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about even equities. Equities, clearly dividends are gonna be cut this year mm -hmm. and that's because businesses' profitability has fallen. So that'll come back in time, yeah. but at least in the short term, the income stream from dividends is shrinking. Yeah. We've talked about what the cash part gets you basically nothing mm -hmm. fixed income that's lending money to companies and governments that's been pushed down too because yep. governments don't want to pay a big interest bill on all the money they're borrowed to try and get us through this 
crisis. Absolutely. So those traditional places where we went for cash flow, it, it's still there, but there's less of it. Mm. So um, you either accept that and say, well, I'm going to reduce my cost of living and take less, yep. or we're going to have to try and think outside the box and do things that maybe historically we've been a little bit more uncomfortable doing. Yep. And I, I think that's going to become the norm. Obviously, it's client by client. Some won't, and that's fine. But if you want to maintain the cash flow your portfolio has produced, yep. I don't believe we're going to be able to generate it in the traditional way. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair call. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Do you, do you want to give an example or, or a couple of examples of the kind of thing you might be talking about? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, um, and remember the cash flow assets. So when I talk about private a- assets, some people might think of private equity. Some mm-hmm. of our older clients might get a bit nervous because they remember the old leverage buyout absolutely. days from mm-hmm. before the GFC and they yep. all blew up because it was just leverage on leverage. Mm. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things like private lending syndicates. Mm-hmm. So as we said at the moment, term deposit rate at the moment, 1.3%. Investment grade corporate credit in Australia, it's probably, it's higher than that, but it's probably 3%. Yep. um, Maybe three and a half if you're lucky. So it's all sub 4%. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you think about what you can borrow for a home loan at the moment, it's um, in the twos. Yeah, right. So I don't care how many times I see that, I still am struggling to get my head around the fact that you get a home loan in the twos. Yeah, 2.29 I'm paying on mine yeah, right. um, at the moment. So, you know, those things set, set rates. Um, but if you're doing something a little bit different, and uh, for an example, there was a private lending syndicate that came across our desk uh, this week, mm-hmm. and it was offering 8% over 12 months. Yep. So you are actually becoming the bank if you mm-hmm. if you do these deals. Yep. Um, so when I looked at that deal, the LVR, the loan to valuation ratio, was about 40%. Yeah, okay, so, so really low. So there's a property that was worth $10 million. Yep. They're seeking a $4 million yep. loan. Yeah. Um, the client might be asking, well, why are they paying 8% for money when you can get a home loan sure. at yep. 2.29? Is something not right there? Um and the reality is with commercial property at the moment, the, the banks were shrinking those lending books. Yep. So when they roll, they're not there. So mm. they're, they're coming to private markets yep. and private people want a premium. Yep. Um, so my view is 8% on a 40% loan on a property that's been valued like that, the risk to the client is actually pretty low. Mm. Subject to all the appropriate due diligence and understanding who's backing it and et cetera, et cetera. A- absolutely. But the security itself, the security is good. Yeah. So if the client doesn't pay, that syndicate takes the assets, sells it, recovers their money plus their interests mm-hmm. and moves on. So the chance of losing capital is very low, but it's not a trusted... Yeah. It, it's not the bank. It's you're taking the bank's role and doing, yes. a, doing a first mortgage. Yeah. Um, but to get 8% in a portfolio where everything else is giving two lifts that yield up a little bit. I'm not suggesting that's what they should do, mm-hmm. but things like that, or it might be buying into a portfolio of childcare centers, and there yeah. might be a little bit of leverage in that. Sure. You know, the commercial rents, the cap rate might be 6.5%, a mm-hmm. little bit of leverage, they're getting 7 or 8 
or nine yep. to improve the cash flow of the overall portfolio. Um, the trade-off is liquidity. So you go and get your money back in three days. You're yep. usually signing up for a few years. Yep. Australian investors typically haven't liked giving up liquidity. Mm-hmm. I scratch my head about it sometimes because we're such a big investment property country. Yeah. So people are happy to give up liquidity mm. in their investment property paying mm. 2%, yeah. but not necessarily in a portfolio of commercial properties. Yeah, so, but, but I actually love the way you say that because these things, they, they just become part of the fabric of our society, our culture, yeah? So, so it's, it's historical, it goes, it goes yeah. back you know, decades, mm. um, you know, it goes back 100 years. Um, they just become ingrained. They're not necessarily real, they're just ingrained. Yeah, and that's right. And remember, it's the advisor's job to make sure there is enough liquidity in the portfolio. So mm. again, a two million fund, if 500,000 of it becomes illiquid and there's still 1.5 liquid, that might be the trade-off they need to get that cash flow um, yeah. up to, to the where, they, where they want to, want to be. Yeah. So subject to the client's personal circumstances and... Absolutely, everyone's different. Yeah, but I think to try and do it, you know, the traditional way, which is just put more equities with high dividends, yeah. they're going to get a whole lot of volatility and probably be a little bit disappointed on the income. Yeah. So that risk reward trade off doesn't make sense. Yeah. Fixed income cash is just not going to get them anywhere near it. Yeah. So we might need to start looking at some other things, and it's not just as I said, lending syndicates and property. There's some other other ways to do it, but I thought there are examples that might resonate with, with people and think yeah. they're not necessarily a high growth company and um, high debt. It's it's not necessarily riskier. Yes. It's just different from what you used to. I, I think that's I think that's fair call. And again, look, it's not like we're on this um, on this podcast sort of trying to spruik anything in particular. It's more just a case of saying the world has changed. And I'm not even talking about COVID. The world has changed. This, this interest rate environment we're in and the outlook long-term, if you, if you take the ABA, it's challenging us, challenging everybody to, to deliver for their objectives, whether that be advisors or, or, or clients themselves. We need to try and come up with some other solutions. Yeah, all the while, and I, and I think this is well known about us as a business, all the while managing risk first. Absolutely, and for every client, it'll always be their strategy. Yes. Um, but my job's to do the math, and um, what I'm finding when I'm talking to clients is their traditional expectations, which if they asked me two or three years ago, would have been perfectly reasonable. Doing things in the manner they're used to, they're either going to have to accept that it's not going to deliver that. Yep or start exploring some of these other ways of investing yeah. and look at that it might be complementary to their strategy. Sure, makes sense, makes sense. Okay, thank you thank you for expanding on that, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, you, you, we, we touched on an anecdote before we started recording the podcast about uh, $2 million, the earnings on that uh, in a term deposit being less than an age pension. I've heard it twice now and I'm still struggling with it. I mean, I know the maths tell you that, but it's just actually hard to get By the way, around, to get that 1.3, that's going second tier. That's not big four. Yeah, right. Big, big four sub one. Yeah. They are awash with liquidity because the government has supported them. Yep. They don't need your deposit. They don't really want it. There are some things that no, ma- uh, no matter how often you hear them, you still struggle to get your head around it based on your own knowledge of a lifetime of a career. Yeah. yeah. 
knock on Westpac's door with uh, two million and they'll probably offer you 0.9% for 12 yeah. months. Amazing. Okay, um, look, I think that covers a lot of the things that we wanted to cover today. Is there anything else you, you want to cover there, um, James, before we finish off and I just give a bit of an update on where we're at as a business and an office? Yeah, sure. Uh, I did sort of say I was probably a little bit surprised by how strong equity markets mm-hmm. have been. Um, it's good because most of our clients are invested. Mm-hmm. It's been a little bit harder for us to put new capital to work though. I thought we would probably have six or nine months of choppy markets to get things invested at cheaper valuations. Bounce pretty quick. Yeah. Um, why am I surprised? Because I was always optimistic that we'd get through COVID and, and the government money and the and the central bank money would come. Mm-hmm. So now the market's looking at it and saying, oh yeah, that stuff happened where we're gonna be okay. Yeah. Um, the treatment of the virus though hasn't gone to plan. No. And um, you know, you are seeing upticks again. So I do think there's gonna be limitations on the economy getting back to full capacity for quite some time. Mm. So my gut feel is, and again, if you ask me, will the market be lower or higher in three years' time, I would say it'll probably be higher. Mm-hmm. But my gut feel is it's probably got a little bit ahead of itself in the in the short term. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if some bad news caused a little little pullback and that might be an opportunity to buy things yeah. a little bit cheaper. Yeah. I don't think we're going back to where we were in March where you had credit markets freezing up and yeah. systemic issue. Yeah. But... Um, it does look a little bit expensive in the short term. So anyone who in March thought, gee whiz, I wish I had lightened up a little bit in hindsight, I was maybe running a little bit too heavy on my equities. Mm -hmm. This is probably the time to reach out to your advisor and have a chat and say, "I, I do feel that way. Do you think there's anything we can lighten up on? That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, but other than that, I think, I think the US central bank will keep pumping at least till the election in, in November. Well, they're uh, certainly going to be getting some pressure from uh, the Donald, who's uh, desperately now, desperately grabbing for any foothold he can get to try and give himself a leg up prior to, prior to November. It's, it's, it's challenging times for it, him. It's, it certainly is. And, you know, to think the rally we've had in the last month, given what's happened yeah. in the States people literally riding the streets and the markets mm-hmm. rallied 10%. Uh, and, and not only that, I mean, the the in some ways I feel like COVID was getting a lot more press maybe two months ago in the US than it is today. And that's because of Black Lives Matter and, and the protests that are happening. Um, but the data I saw today, um, I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, there was more cases in the US single day yesterday than at any stage previously. Um, and what's happened is it's, it's kind of the hotspots have moved from the north to the south, interestingly enough. Um, they've effectively got a second wave, although has the first wave even finished yet, but um, mm. they're, they're, it's not good. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be an issue with us for a while, mm. and it will be a handbrake on economic activity for a while to come. Agree. Okay. Um, I'm sure you, like me, are looking forward to doing a podcast in the in the future where we can just, uh, I don't know, maybe a lot more positive news. But, uh, you know, we, we know what our role is. Our role is to deliver for our clients and minimize risk as much as we possibly can. And, and, and part of the role of the podcast of 
what, what our aim was, was to try and get this information more readily to everybody. Um, but you know, I'm sure you're looking forward to a time in the future where we can have a more positive conversation. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to just talk about businesses and ideas on, on making money and not on the macro mm. environment. Yeah. But the reality is it is what it is and that's what's dominating news flow and driving markets. They're yeah, not, no markets are not moving on fundamentals whatsoever. Mm. Um, that's the environment we're in at the moment. Our, our job is not to go, well, that's not right. It's to try and adapt to the world that we're in and deliver outcomes. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, I think that's everything we wanted to cover off today. James, you, anything else you got still on your list? Or? No, other than, um, you know, we're just about at the end of financial year. It's been one like no other. I worked out of 99 William Street yesterday. I was the only person in the office, probably the only person in the building. It just <laughs> feels weird. Yeah, without a doubt. And a little bit lonely, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Um, we are here, and if clients want to meet us, we are available in mm. in, in in the city. Yeah. Um, we I'm taking meetings face to face if clients feel it's important, mm. or, or on Zoom. So we yeah. we're still here. It's just a little bit different. Yeah, and I think I, I probably want to finish there as well. I'll just pick up a couple of things that you said. Um, we 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 remain absolutely committed to to being a firm that is where our clients need to be, um, and so you know between. Obviously, phone calls we've been making over a long period of time, particularly over the last three or four months. Um, Zoom meetings, which I think almost our entire client base and ourselves have got very, very used to, and that's still something that we can do pretty much at the drop of a hat. Um, and we're certainly starting to see that um, take a lot more face-to-face client meetings, but it's just getting, about getting the balance of that right. We want to make sure that um, our clients feel safe, we feel safe, um, etc. So we're just. Um, if, if that's something that our clients want to do, we're very much open to having that conversation about a face-to-face meeting. Um, as everyone knows, I would suggest um, end of July at this stage is the earliest when we're potentially uh, being told to be back into offices. Um, we're going to take a very slowly, slowly approach to that um, because of the fact that as long as we can still do what we need to do um, for our clients, Zoom meetings, et cetera, et cetera, um, we'll take a slowly, slowly approach to that. We want to make sure all our staff are safe and, uh, and, and our clients as well. So um, the earliest is start of August. Um, we think we've held up pretty well as a business in being able to continue to communicate to clients. Um, but if anyone's got any concerns at all, definitely just the email, text message, pick up the phone. Um, we're always happy to have a chat. Um, as uh, I'm not sure how this is going to work in the edit, James, but uh, as we said, it is very different. We're not in the office, so we can hear your dog barking away in the background. That's Coco. That's she's, Coco. Uh, she's giving you the wind up. Yeah, if she's either giving us the wind up or has some very important data she wants to add to the uh, equation around US markets. So um, we might leave that there. Thanks, Coco. Thanks, James. No worries. Let's hope uh, next financial year is a little bit smoother than this one. It would almost have to be, wouldn't it? Uh, (laughs) Again, um, thank you everyone for listening and uh, we look forward to talking again shortly. Thank you. The information in this podcast is intended to be general in nature and does not take into account your personal situation. Therefore, it does not constitute and is not intended to be financial services advice. You should consider whether the information is appropriate to your needs and where appropriate, seek professional personal advice from your financial advisor.